let's jump into today's message. If you were here two weeks ago, you know that we started this series um, simply titled Disciple. And so just as a quick refresher so that we can kind of set the stage for today, um, what we wanted to do was just kind of lay out a baseline and foundation for what this is so that we can kind of build on top of it and walk in it the way that we need to. And so we started with that word disciple. The first thing that we said is that this word really has two primary meanings. It is both who we are but it's also what we do. So we are called to be disciples of Jesus. We are also called to make disciples of Jesus. And so we talked a little bit about how those two things work together, how we are to move forward in those things. And then we just stopped and we said, what is a disciple? Like at the foundational level, what are we talking about? What we said very simply is a disciple is a true follower of Jesus Christ, okay? No need to complicate it any more than that. It's a true follower of Jesus. But then we did talk about some of the the depths around that. And if you did uh, your assignment, you certainly know that because we talked about reading through one of the Gospels. And as you're reading through, highlighting everything that Jesus says, everything he does, everything he prioritizes, and at each one of those stops, just asking, am I given to this? Like, is this the way that I live my life? Am I truly following him or am I just saying that I am? We need to challenge ourselves to determine if we're truly walking in this. And then we talked about the, the making disciple idea. What is that about? How do we walk in that the way that we need to? And so that's what brings us up to um, today's message. And today is going to be a little bit different, a little bit interesting, because we are going to be talking about the primary obstacles and hurdles that are in our way from truly walking in discipleship. Like in our everyday lives, in our culture, what is standing in the way of us being about this the way that Christ ultimately was? And so my first request is this. If you're here today, if you're watching online, I am requesting that you come back next week as well. Because today we are almost exclusively going to be talking about these obstacles and these issues. And then next week we'll talk about the resolutions, okay? We'll talk about how we're going to fix those things, how we're going to overcome those things. And so I want to make sure you get the full scope of that. But I am looking forward to um, today's message. And here's really what I want today. I want this to challenge us a little bit. Um, I want this to challenge the way that we think Uh, I want this to challenge our perspective a little bit from maybe just doing things the way that they've always been done and just allow the Holy Spirit to kind of stir and speak to us and how we ought to move forward. And uh, so why don't we say a quick word of prayer before we get into our content today. If you could just bow your heads and close your eyes. Heavenly Father, we uh, once again are just so grateful for who you are. And just so amazing to be able to come and lift you up and and be reminded of just how good you are. And I pray that you would continue to do that throughout the rest of our days. I pray that you would move and speak today in only the way that you can, which means softening our hearts and opening our minds to receive this on good soil. And I just pray that you would continuously Um, speak this over us and help us to really see things for the way that they are and challenge us in how we ought to walk in these things. I really do believe wholeheartedly that 
this could begin to change the way that we view our everyday lives and how we need to truly follow you, Jesus. And so help us in that endeavor. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, well, let's go ahead and get right into this. Um, Again, we're talking about obstacles. We're talking about hurdles. And so the number one obstacle that I believe is in our way from truly walking in discipleship the way that we need to is what I would call a people value issue. Okay, a people value issue. What I mean when I say that is in our culture today, Um, We simply do not value people um, the way that we need to, and frankly, the way that we once did. No longer do we view relationships and community with the importance that we need to view it. And we see this very clearly. I mean, you can go look at any research, any articles, you will see that this is a clear issue in our culture. And in fact, especially in our part of the world, what we're seeing is, is a legitimate epidemic of loneliness and seclusion. I mean, it's an absolute epidemic. In fact, if you go and you look at recent polls, what you will see is a rising number of people who claim loneliness, depression, and isolation in their everyday lives. A rising number of people. And what's interesting is those same exact polls show us that these people have a heavy desire for friendship, for community, for vulnerability, for accountability. In other words, what we have is a huge gap between demand and supply. Like, like people, they, they want this. They, they realize within them that they need this idea of community and relationships, and yet there is a lack of supply in our culture. In fact, I was doing some research for the last several weeks around this topic, and again, there's tons of it. But there are two sources in particular that I found really, really interesting and I think could help us in our perspective. And so I want to lay those before you real quick today and maybe challenge the way that we see things. But the first source was talking about how what's interesting today is um, we, we used to have the opportunity for relationships, for connections, just, just automatically baked into our everyday lives. That, that used to be the case. It didn't matter what you were doing, who you were. Every single day, you were going to have to talk to people, meet with them face-to-face. You were going to have to handle people on a daily basis. And increasingly today, that is less and less the case. In fact, there were three primary avenues where they said this is taking place. Number one, they talked about within our neighborhoods. They, they talked about how really for the vast majority of human civilization, um, your neighbors were the people that you spent the most amount of time with, which makes sense, right? You're probably home more than you are anything else. And so these are the people that you spent most of your time with. You knew these people as well as anyone. This is who you truly lived life with. I mean, cookouts and hangouts and sharing of resources. There was this deep sense of trust and openness that was happening within our neighborhoods. Now, it is drastically different. In fact, I've mentioned this several times over the last few months, but in many ways, even in our subdivisions, we've got homes and people all around us. We still live in our own little bubbles. Like we confine ourselves within the walls of our home. In fact, um, nearly 15% of Americans have never even talked to their next door neighbor. 
Now, I'm not talking about like being best friends and hanging out. They've never even talked to their next door neighbor. And that is rising year after year after year. This is the direction that we're headed in. In fact, um, I would encourage you to just kind of walk around your neighborhood at some point over the next week and just take notice of how often you see people out like talking to one another and connecting and, and, and living life together. Like that is a rarity for many of us in our culture today. And because of that, relationships continue to decline in our culture. The second spot that they talked about is within the workplace. And again, they said historically, oftentimes the workplace is where you would connect with people the most. Again, just automatically, you were going to have to have face-to-face conversations. You automatically were going to have to try to build relationships. And so oftentimes, that's where your closest friends would be, where you would build your strongest relationships. That was very emblematic of what we would be a part of historically. And again, now it's very different. One of the reasons is the rise of work from home, right? Now we don't even have to meet with people face-to-face. We can sit at home and work. Now, I know for many, that's a blessing, right? So I'm not speaking against it, but I think it does show how more and more in our culture, we're kind of removing ourselves from human interaction. But what's interesting is this particular study showed that more than work from home, the reason that the value of people is declining in the workplace is because of an acceptable culture of selfishness. In other words, the workplace has become all about me. How can I make as much money as I can make? How can I get that next promotion? How can I look as good as I can possibly look in front of the boss? And when it's all about you, who cares about everybody else, right? I don't, I don't have to connect with people. I don't have to build relationships. In fact, I'll throw you under the bus if it means me getting the promotion, right? And that has become acceptable culture in many of our workplaces. And so yet again, the value of people continues to decline. The third place, and this is interesting, the third place they talked about is what they called purpose institutions. In other words, our religious organizations, our non-for-profits, our charities, etc. What, what they said is, once again, historically, this is often where we would get our greatest sense of community. Because it was centered around purpose and mission. And so there was this unity and togetherness that really couldn't be compared to anything else. And yet many of these institutions have abandoned that or don't realize the importance of that. And what we're seeing instead in many of these institutions is an amazing amount of division and dissension and disagreement. In all of these phases, we're seeing a decline in one of the most important things in our lives. In fact, if you take a step back and you look at that holistically, what you're going to find is that the places we spend most of our time, our energy, our thoughts, home, work, church, we're not getting those automatic connections and interactions like we have historically. And the sad part, and we see this very clearly, is that it's deteriorating our perspective of people. Think, think about it this way. You know, it's really easy to lack care and compassion and love for people when you don't have to see them, talk to them, or listen to them. It's really easy to to not have that connection or that importance. And as a result, what you get is a lot of hostility, a lot of selfishness, a lot of surface-level relationships, which is exactly what we're seeing in our world today. And this is actually what brings me to the second source that I was reading about, which was really digging into primarily the importance of deep relationship. 
and, and how uh, important this is for our health and for the way that we live our lives. And this is a, a pretty consensus viewpoint within scientific studies, but there are primarily three levels of relationships, okay? Uh, and so let me explain this very quickly. Level one relationships would be your, your mere acquaintances, all right, maybe you see these people on a regular basis, but it's kind of just the head nods, the highs and the buys, right? It's just the acquaintances that are around you. Level two relationships are what they call casual relationships. So you spend some time with these people. You, you know them pretty well, at least to know kind of their core values, how they would react to situations. What they say is level two relationships typically happen within larger groups, like community groups. That's where we get our level twos. And then level threes would be your deep, vulnerable, all-in type of relationships. So your closest friends, your closest family members, etc. Well, what they have shown is that over the last two decades we have seen an unbelievable shift into level one relationships. In other words, most of the people around us are in that level one category. We, we don't know them very well. We don't really converse with them very much. There's no depth uh, to it at all. And this is very emblematic of most of the people around us. Obviously, level twos, level threes are important. A couple of interesting things there. They, they were talking about how, especially within the younger generation, level three relationships are what they are most desperate for. Because they are so rare, all they want is somebody who can just see them for who they are. Just somebody that they can be real and vulnerable with. It's so rare today that the younger generation is just yearning for this. But they said level two relationships are just as important because, again, you're getting these within a larger group community type of setting, which gives you support. It gives you purpose. But listen, it also challenges you. It forces you into a diversity of crowd, into a diversity of thought, into a diversity of opinion. Like it sharpens your perspective in ways that you can't get from those other levels of relationships. And again, as we survey the culture that we live in, we're very much missing this. There are so many people that just don't have a good enough perspective of the people around them. They, they lack empathy because they don't truly have those level two relationships. Study to study, research after research shows that this is a huge issue within our culture. We have a people value issue. Now, there are two things in particular that, that I think are happening here, two reasons why, and I'll, I'll move through these pretty quick. Number one, self-centeredness. Number two, time management. These are the two reasons why we don't value people the way that we ought to. Self-centeredness is an obvious one, right? And so many of us in our culture today are just consumed by self, right? That's the only thing that we see. That's the only thing that we value. And so again, other people don't matter. We don't care how we impact others. We don't care how we treat others because it's all about me. And what's interesting is oftentimes in our culture, we're encouraged into that viewpoint. Like even some of the language that we use, right? You do you. you. You get yours, right? All of it is kind of pushing us into this very selfish mindset where we don't understand what other people might be going through or how we can step into that. In fact, I promise you this. The easiest way that you can live this life is by living it through a selfish lens. 
It's the easiest thing you can do. I mean, it's so easy to just look out for your interest, for your success, for your convenience. That is so easy. And again, we're kind of encouraged into that. But if we are truly followers of Christ, this is one of those areas where we have to stop and kind of challenge ourselves. Am I truly looking through the right lens? Like, is my everyday perspective truly the way that Christ lived his life? In fact, this is the Christ-like perspective. This is Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. The Apostle Paul says this, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Now, I'm begging you, do not let that just be another scripture that goes into one ear and out the other. I'm telling you, put this on your refrigerator, on your computer screen. This is important because, listen, this is how Jesus lived his life. That right there is how he did it. In fact, if you read the rest of Philippians 2, that's the entire point that Paul is trying to make. If we're going to be like Christ, this is how we're going to live our lives. And so if we're true followers, we need to understand what that means for our perspective. Now, let's talk about the, the time management piece for a second. Because in week one of the series, I talked about how I think the biggest hurdle we're going to have to get over when it comes to walking in true discipleship is understanding that it requires us to give people our time. This is the biggest hurdle that we're going to have to face, giving people our time and our attention. Because the truth of the matter is this is a scary thing within our culture. Every single one of us feels like we are just overwhelmingly busy. We don't have space. We don't have time for anything else. And so if you're going to ask me to add something on top of that, I'm sorry. I'm going to check out. I, I can't do that, right? I'm just too busy. And yet when we take a few steps back and we actually realize what we're truly giving our time to, then sometimes it, it kind of checks our hearts in the way that it needs to. Like just a, a couple of things. Um, number one, our hobbies. Our, our hobbies. I would call this the 21st century idol of choice. For so many of us, our hobbies have become idols. We spend so much of our time, so much of our energy, so much of our thoughts on these things. Like, let's just be honest, all right? Complete self-reflection, introspection, let's be honest. How many of us spend exponentially more time on our hobbies or on our kids' hobbies than we do truly serving the kingdom of God? I, got to, I just want you to think about that for a second. Whatever hobby you have, whatever it is that you're giving yourself to, how true is that? I think it would alarm us if we realized what we are truly giving our time and our attention to. Another thing we talked about at the beginning of the year in our Ruthless Elimination of Hurry series is technology. How much of a problem this has become when it comes to taking up our time. The average American spends roughly five hours a day watching TV, roughly three hours a day on their phone. Eight hours a day for the average American on your technology of choice. That's the average. Now listen, I'm not like an anti-tech person. I'm not like a conspiracy theory person. But when you read something like that, it's like, come on, are you serious? And we think that we're like overwhelmingly busy. We don't have any time or space for anything else. And this is what we're spending our time doing? When it comes to these things that are, are taking up so much of our everyday lives, sometimes we have to just stop and, and ask, how much of this is a good gift of God's grace? Like, how much of it is he giving us for, for freedom and for joy? And how much of it has just become a distraction from what he really wants to do in and through us? 
we have to kind of check ourselves. What would happen if I would just get control of this in my life? What, what would happen if I would take control and, and be mindful of where I'm spending my time and my attention? And what might happen if I would dedicate that to like true purpose and true impact to the people that are around me every single day? What if I truly gave them my time and my attention? What might God do in and through that. We got to challenge ourselves. This is, this is very much an issue in our culture that we're going to have to overcome, okay? Let's move to the second thing. The second hurdle that we see when it comes to walking in discipleship is that we have a daily purpose issue, a daily purpose issue. So now we're, we're getting into kind of the internal church culture issues that we have to understand And the truth is, as the church, we have made a mess of helping people understand that they are walking in purpose every day of their lives. We've made a mess of this. People do not understand it. They do not have this perspective. And and so what's happened over the course of time is is so many of our Christians have become week-to-week Christians versus day-to-day Christians. In fact, I read this quote from John Mark Comer that I thought was really good. He says, when Christ says, follow me, that implies that a journey is ahead of you. In other words, there's something to do. There's something to be about. We are called to meet the invitations of Jesus every single day. I love that idea. We're called to meet the invitations of Jesus every single day of our lives. That's what it looks like to truly follow after him. And yet so many of us stumble as we enter into this. The biggest reason, let's just get into some real honest talk. The biggest reason why this has happened is because of what I call the Sunday filter mentality. In other words, we have filtered everything through this one day, everything through this one experience. That has become the pinnacle of everything that we do. And that has cut us and damaged us from a lot of different angles. First off, starting with the people, Start starting with the members of the church. The truth is, is that you've been trained and conditioned to think that Sunday is the most important thing that we do. Sunday is what is most valuable. It's what's most impactful. It's what all of this is about is the Sunday experience. So as a result of that, if I want to connect with people and enter into fellowship, well, I'll wait for Sunday. If, if I want to serve and give of my time for the benefit of other people, I'll Wait for Sunday. Worse yet, if I want to introduce somebody to Christ, I'll wait for Sunday and and I'll allow the speaker to maybe say what he needs to say. And what has happened is it's become a checklist item. I'm I'm done with Sunday, so I'm going to just move on with the rest of my life. We've just completely drained the daily purpose right out of what Jesus has called us into. And can we just be honest? Throughout the week, what's happened is We act like, we live like, we talk like everybody else. We have the same perspective. We have the same reactions. The only thing that has become distinguishable about us is that we attend a one-hour service each week. That's the only distinction that we have from everybody else. And you just have to understand, that's not the type of following that, that Jesus requires from us. That's, that's not what he's asking for from us. Let's remember, Jesus is the one that says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. If you want to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross, 
and let's go. Jesus is the one that says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all those other things will be added to you. But you have to seek first the kingdom. Jesus simply calls for more. He calls for a lifestyle from us. That's what he wants. Every moment of every day, that's my identity. That's who I am. I'm a follower of Christ. Listen to me. More, More than a father, more than a husband, more than an employee, I am a follower of Christ. That is my identity. We, we have to go from a Sunday filter to a disciple filter. I am first and foremost a disciple of Jesus, and everything else filters from there. That's my perspective of everything else around me. We have to shift the way that we're thinking. So I have another assignment for you. I know you love that. So over the course of this next week, here's what I want you to do. Even if you picked this gospel uh, as your assignment two weeks ago, I want you to go back and reread four chapters. Okay, I think they're going to put it on the screen for you. Matthew 4, Matthew 10, Matthew 16, Matthew 19. Four chapters, that should take you very little time. And here's what I want you to do. As you're reading through those four chapters, I want you to do your best to put yourself in the shoes of the people that Jesus is talking to and dealing with. I want you to do your best to put yourself in their shoes and understand what Jesus is requiring of them and ultimately how they respond. And there are different responses that happen. And then what I want you to do is I want you to stop and think, if Jesus was talking to me today, like he was talking to those people, how would he address me? What would he require of me? What would he ask me to lay down in order to truly follow him. And I want you to, to have some, some serious thought about what that might mean for how we live our lives. This is a lifestyle. This is a, a daily purpose endeavor that we must walk in. Now, I talked about how the Sunday filter cuts us from, from several different angles. And, and that's because not only does it affect how our church members see the church, but it also has now affected the way that we operate as the church. So follow me here. What has become the acceptable approach and strategy of the church is get people there on a Sunday and then they can begin their journey. So just just think about this. Step one, get them there on a Sunday and then the journey can begin. So once they're there on a Sunday, then we can connect them with people. Once they're there on a Sunday, then we can tell them about the gospel. Once they're there on a Sunday, then we can equip them to serve. That has become the common approach. Now, let me just stop and say this, because there's always nuance in play. Um, Sundays are valuable. Sundays are important. I say it almost every time I'm up here, but every time we get to come together as the people of God and worship him and enter into fellowship, man, that's beautiful. That's awesome. That's what eternity is going to look like. But that cannot be our primary approach when we talk about being disciples. It cannot be our primary approach. And yet again, all we have to do is go look at the life and ministry of Jesus. That's all we have to do. Did Jesus teach in the temple? Did he teach in the synagogues? Yes, he did. Far more often, and I mean far more often, he's meeting people where they are. He is out in the world. He's traveling around. He's eating with the tax collectors in the centers. He's healing people on the streets of Jerusalem. He's teaching on the hills of Galilee. He's reclining at the table with with his friends and with their friends. Far more often, that's what the life and ministry of Jesus looks like. And see, as we survey many of our lives, we're missing out on that daily purpose aspect. 
Like every day of our lives, we are called and positioned to impact other people, to make a difference in this world. That's how we follow him. And yet in many ways, we've, we've lost sight of that. We, we've lost sight that, that God truly wants to use each one of us in his mission and what he's up to. And that's actually what brings us to the third and the final thing. And again, this is an internal church culture issue that we're talking about, but it's a serious one. And that is we have an individual empowerment issue, an individual empowerment issue. And in fact, I would argue that this is maybe the, the biggest issue that is plaguing Christ's followers today. Listen, le- please lean into this. We don't understand that each one of us is empowered and equipped to go out and make a difference in our context. We don't understand it. We, we don't get it. L- listen clearly, and we'll talk more about this next week. But you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out and make a difference in this world. You. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You, that applies to you. And yet, we don't see things that way. We, we don't often feel that way, and as a result, we don't live that way. And, and one of the big issues that's happening here that has led to this is we have a bit of a leadership issue within the church. And so let me, let me make this very clear because I could go off on a ton of different tangents here, but I'm going to try to stay very focused. But, but follow me here. If I were to ask you, what does church leadership look like to you? Like, how do you understand it to work? Um, how have you seen it displayed during your time? Most of us would probably answer something like this. Well, you have a pastor, right? And, and the pastor is um, probably somebody who's going to be working in the full-time ministry. The person who's probably going to get up and they're going to talk and they're going to speak most of the times. They're the one that's going to be making most of the decisions. So you kind of have to have this approval process that goes through the pastor. Essentially, they're the CEO of this organization called the church. That's how many of us have seen it and understand church leadership to work. Now, there are plenty of reasons why it's gotten to that point. The, The thing we need to call out is that that is not biblical church leadership. That is not the picture that we have as we read through the New Testament. Let me show you Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. This is the Apostle Paul, one of the best teachings we have on church leadership. He says, and he, speaking of Jesus, gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. Now let's stop there. What Paul has just done is he's painted the vision of what church leadership looks like. That's what he's done. If you've ever heard of the fivefold ministry, that's the scripture that it comes from. So what you're going to understand about church leadership, number one, is that it's plural. In other words, it's, it's a group of people working together for the mission. That is how church leadership looks. Now, why is that? Well, number one, for accountability. When there's a group of people, you have natural accountability that's happening. But just as important is what I would call fullness of mission. This is why church leadership is set up this way. Because each of those that we just read is is a leadership gift. It's a leadership calling on somebody's life. And so if you're missing parts of that, then you're missing parts of the mission. I would argue in many ways, this is what's happened, especially over the last 50 to 100 years within the church universal. We have elevated this role of the pastor. Did you notice pastor was just one of those? We've elevated this idea of the pastor 
to the point that it's having some damaging effects within the church. Because the church, universal, now very much sees itself as very interior and very insular, where we're often just kind of looking at ourselves because that's what a pastor does. A pastor is the shepherd. They protect the sheep. They guide the sheep. They're about the sheep. And, and so what happens is we're missing the part of the mission where we go out and we actually make a difference in the world. We're, we're missing the apostolic piece. We're missing the evangelistic piece. And so we're cutting out parts of the mission as a result. Now, now, here's the real reason why I wanted to call this out is because watch what Paul goes on to say next. Ephesians 4.11, we'll read it again and then we'll move forward. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. Why? For what purpose? Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. So listen closely. What is church leadership? What, what, are, what are church leaders supposed to be about? What are they supposed to do? Not supposed to be CEOs of an organization. Not supposed to be the ones that make all the decisions. They're not to be the face of the franchise, so to speak. They are to equip the people for the work of ministry. That's what church leaders do. They help the people understand you are the hands and feet of Christ. You are called. You are equipped to go out and make a difference in your context. That's what a good spiritual leader does. It's servant leadership at its best. We serve others. We want to build you up. We want to equip you. That is what true leadership looks like, and we're missing that in so many of our angles. Now, even just as a side note, because I, I think this is important, even when we talk about church leadership, I think words are very important. I just want you to understand, you are all leaders, you are all leaders. Every single one of us is called to lead people to Christ, called to lead people to truth, called to lead people to discipleship. We are all leaders. Ironically, if you are a follower of Christ, you are a leader. That's how this works. And so when we talk about church leadership, what we're talking about is oversight, the people that are there to help oversee the church. And again, what are those people supposed to do? Train and equip the saints for the work of ministry. That is the job. Go out and make a difference. Go into your context and spread the good news. Go out and love people sacrificially and radically. That's what a good leader is supposed to be about. Each one of us is called into this. Each one of us is empowered to walk in this. We sang about this um, today, but it's, it's open heaven season. That's what we're living in right now, which means we can go out and we can expand the influence of the kingdom of God. It's open for all. In fact, my wife's favorite song right now, the bridge of it says, if you want to know what heaven looks like, it's looking like you and me. In other words, we're the ones who are called to go out and be light. We're the ones who are a, a city upon a hill. We are a lamp for all to see. That's who we are, not a building, not a Sunday service. You guys, the people, are called to go out and be light and love on people and point them to Christ. That's who we are. That's what we're supposed to be about. And so let me just kind of sum it up this way, maybe just kind of put it as clearly as I can. I think we could probably boil this down to two issues that very clearly work together. Number one, we have to start valuing people the way that Jesus did. We have to start 
looking at people differently, changing our priorities, changing our schedules to ensure that they are given for the benefit of other people. And then we need to walk in the daily power of the Holy Spirit. Every single moment of every single day, we need to understand who we are, who God has called us to be, the lives that he has called us to impact. We need to live in that type of empowerment. And if we did, nothing could stop. Nothing could stop the move that God wants to do in and through and around us. And so next week, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. We're going to begin to dig into the things that we need to change, um, some of the, the differences that we need to approach this by so that we can walk in this, overcome these obstacles and be the disciples that Jesus has called us to be. And I'll just tell you guys, and I'm gonna continue to remind you of this through this series. This is, this is going to be an ongoing conversation for the rest of the future of this church. This is gonna be an ongoing conversation. How can we be true disciples? How can we make disciples? How can we be reminded of this every moment of every day? How do we need to approach our lives? What do we need to change? What do we need to sharpen? We're gonna be constantly about this because this is what it means to truly follow him.